Hello and welcome to Two For None, your favourite cricket comedy podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Cullen, and sitting across from me, can you believe it, in the flesh, the one and only Christopher T. Barty. Bardo, we're here in Perth. Woo! Yep, here in person, Pat. It's, uh, look, it's both excellent, one, because I get to see you, um, and then two, it's also daunting at the same time because when you're on a computer screen, mm. I can um, Google th- <laughs> 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 I can Google things and look at a browser while you think I'm talking to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know. I'm as scared as you are, mate. Yeah, Trust yeah. me, that's a two-way street. There's no Google bailout now. Um, <laughs> you do have your phone, so things right. are get, possible. I'm getting edgy. <laughs> it's just a lot ruder. <laughs> it's a lot more blunt. I might just bring up my phone and start scrolling. I mean, um, I wouldn't blame you, but I wouldn't blame yeah. you. Mate, we're in the middle of a huge test series for the Windies and they are getting rickrolled. Yeah, look, it's very meta, isn't it? We're here in um, your office, in your dad's office, mm. uh, and we're, we're talking about the cricket and the cricket is literally going on outside, outside of us right now. So it's very yeah. meta, very meta. But uh, it is, they are getting rickrolled. Uh, it's, it's not been close. I think uh, up until uh, you know yesterday, they'd taken nine wickets for the series, which mm, is... Boy. Not ideal um, when you've been bowling for three innings. Um, so, yeah, hot start for the Aussies. Uh, great innings, inningses, mm. um, innings I, whatever the plural. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone has ever suggested it was innings in history. But obviously, we've got to print that. That's clearly what it is now. <laughs> Listen, I don't want to say that everyone's been wrong. Um, but if I must... Um, <laughs> Uh, look, but great start, great innings mm. from both uh, Marnus Labashain. Again, who's on fire, oh, Pat? Mate, three hundreds and three digs. He's on fire. Including a double. Including a double. Including yeah. a double. So that's what? That's four hundreds in three yeah. digs. Can I ask you a question about that? Which mm. makes my, may make me seem like a cricket idiot. Mm. So so just be prepared to laugh at me here. But 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 when you score a double, yeah. that does count as two hundreds on your hundreds tally. Doesn't it? I don't think so. Yeah, it counts as one. I think it's one. Which is weird, right? Because you've hit two of them. You've hit two of them. You've hit two of them. But do you know who has the most double hundreds in history? Who's that? Don Bradman. Ah. I mean, he only played like 50-something, 52 tests or, you know, not many. And he he has the most double hundreds of all time. Yeah, crazy. Crazy, crazy. He was so good. I saw a great story from Skull this week, Kerry O'Keefe, saying that he came out and after getting belted in his first game for none for 170, something like that, and Don Bradman came up to him saying, oh, you batted really well, and Kerry O'Keefe thought he was a jockey. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then realised that it was Don Bradman telling him he did well. What a nugget. Um, hey, mate, speaking mm. of nuggets too, huge, huge news, huge gold nuggets of news. Um, David Warner's manager yep. has come out, but it yep. and said that there was executives in the rooms in the tests in like 2018 when we were losing to South Africa here mm, mm. Um, saying that we should tamper with the ball. Mm. Yeah, 20, 2016, I think. 2016, um, thank you. But um, yeah, wild if true. Yeah. Um, wild if true. Uh, yeah. What do you even do with that? That's a hot tamale. Isn't it the hottest of tamales? Like, it's crazy to think that that whole saga went on four years ago. And, and like, it's one of our most popular episodes, that episode. Our emergency pod that yeah, we right. did is, is iconic. We had seven seagulls instead of six. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Great. Uh, shout out to our seagulls. Yeah, thank you, um, all our seagulls. Maybe that's what our people are called. What are the people that follow Taylor Swift called? Swifties or Swifties? Something? Yeah. Swifties. So we have the seagulls. <laughs> um, <laughs> big thanks to the shout out to the flock. Listen, <laughs> the, the flock. The, the flock. flock. Oh, it's oh, huge. It's it's good. Good. Works on one level. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but no, it is crazy town news. And and on the eve of yeah. the South African team coming to visit, like the test series starting in, in a week or two. Yes, yeah. Oh, the timing is abysmal. Um, <laughs> or incredibly purposeful. Or incredibly purposeful, yeah. Well, it certainly raises some interest level in the um, in the upcoming series because one of the issues that we've been seeing, as we know, in, in the cricket is the crowd numbers mm. um, in the stadiums have not been marvellous. Um, probably because you started the game on a Wednesday, which raises the question, in a five-game... Sorry, in a five-day match, yeah. what is the ideal day of the week to start the game? Thursday. I think so, too. I think Thursday, Thursday. Is, is the day. Clearly. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, Thursday afternoon, especially if you're doing a day night, Yeah. Thursday night after work, you roll down to the Adelaide Oval. Oh, it's Thirsty Thursday. Oh, Thirsty Thursday. You put on a drinks promo, bingo, bango, happy day. Yeah. yeah. Wednesday. Wednesday. Did <laughs> test start on a Tuesday the other week? Yeah. What's what? What? I think there's an episode of Seinfeld where it's like Tuesday has no feel, <laughs> Monday has a feel, Sunday has you know Tuesday has no feel. I think it's right, but I think in this yeah. instance for Test cricket, Wednesday has no feel. Yeah, Wednesday has no feel. Yeah, it's strange. And again, you know, we just come out of the back of this, you know, um, dead rubber ODI series, which is so weird. We talked about last time, and and now we're in a test where it's like it could be so much better as well. And I've got to say it, mate. I'm going to be brutally honest here with you, Chris. I'm sorry to the West Indies fans that are listening to this podcast. But they have not been much chop. No. The Windies? No. They really, I'm sorry to say it. I felt really well, sorry for Roston Chase today. Yeah. There was an image after Manus just hit him down the ground and he just turned around and watched the ball go. And that was exactly the facial expression and the emotion I was feeling when my eighth grade t- cricket team for the Mighty Summer Hill got rolled by a bunch of 12-year-olds <laughs> the other week. <laughs> Just watching myself get hit to the boundary, but I thinking, why am I here? Well, you know, um, I mean, uh, Martin certainly has the enthusiasm of a, of a 12-year-old Does playing me. cricket. And, and we shouldn't diminish it by any, any means. Um, look, it, it is tough times. For the Not all doom and gloom, though. Like, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, Shivnarine Shannipal's son, ten, yeah. uh Tandrin? Tandrin Janabal, yep. Uh, I think he prefers to go by by Brandon, which is his middle name. Oh, cool. I thought he batted really, really well. Um, I thought um, Craig Brathwaite, um, you know, showed a lot of medal as as, uh, yeah. as captain. So not all doom and gloom, but they they you know they didn't bowl particularly well, you know. And uh, there's a lot of reliance on um, on Jason Holder really just to hold her up hold her up and end, oh, well you know. Yes. Well um, That's why we have you. Oh, that's the good stuff. He's got actually he's actually got a pretty formidable test record as uh, Jason Holder. I yeah. think highly underrated. You know, particularly for a guy that he's tall, clearly and gets a lot of stapling bounce, but he's not particularly quick. Mm. Um, but his test record actually holds up pretty well. I think average of twenty eight, couple of hundred wickets. Um, you know, former captain of the team. Yeah. Um, you know, so he's there are some soldiers in, in you know uh, that we should salute in uh, in that team. Oh, but it's a, a tough time. A period of transition, aren't they? Like they. Yeah, it's been a period of transition for a long time, long time. Long time. Um, I think what hurts too is, you know, last time when they toured here in Australia, they had a particularly uh, rough time. And I know our, our friend Alex Binks sort of, um, you know, ruse that tour because that's mm. when our great friend uh, Adam Voges Adam made a lot of runs. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I'm friends with Adam Vogel. I don't think Adam Vogel is necessarily his friends with me. Sure. It's a very, it's a one way sort of. Yeah, yeah. yeah because yeah. we don't know each other. We've never met. Yeah, but, Chris. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yet, yeah, not yet. Um, uh, but you know, and I think um, what they did have at the end of that tour was they went on and were successful at a T20 World Championships. Yeah. So they had that to hang on to. Whereas here they've come off a T20 World Championships where they haven't performed particularly well. Knocked out, knocked out in the. Uh, Early. Early, very early. Yeah, very early. And, um, you know, they, they've had to back that up with a, a fairly rough tour. tour. Um, on the plus side, the Prime Minister's 11 game was pretty competitive. Yeah, Prime Minister's 11 game was pretty good. Pretty good, not bad. And yeah. it was even better for us, Chris, because we got to make our 11 of Prime Ministers. <laughs> that's right. Which was uh, funny and fun. Yeah. And we don't know if that segment was a hit or not yet, but um, we're going to pretend <laughs> that it was. Yeah, sure. Because we've got another one today, Chris. You've got another... 11 that you want to throw yes. out to the world today. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think, uh, well, I was listening to the, to, to the radio, as you do, the, the, the wireless and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> listening to the wireless like it was 1910. <laughs> yeah, great. Uh, yeah. Put your monocle on. <laughs> Sorry. I was listening to the digital radio in my Hyundai i30. <laughs> hey, you the but anyway, so and then there was a conversation about some of the some of the challenges that um, you know the West Indies face because of course you know the West Indies is a is a concept. Yes. You know it's a, it's a it's a, a series of small nations that have come together under one banner mm. to form something truly great. And although we know obviously the Windies are having a bit of a hard, tough time at the moment, but let us not forget you know the the decades oh, yeah. of beautiful, wonderful, aggressive, mm. passionate yes. cricket that has come out of the West Indies mm. um, and come under that banner. So thinking about that, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've decided that this week's 11, Pat, is going to be a, a, an 11 mm-hmm. of amalgamations. <gasps> collaborations. Collaborations, yes. Collaborations. Apologies. But yes. 11 of collaborations. Much Slightly softer word than amalgamation, <laughs> isn't it? Um, yeah, amalgamation does sound slightly like a takeover, but uh, collaborations is is people coming together. Yeah. Different people, different interests coming together. And Chris, I've got a pretty good 11 for yeah. you. Yeah. I will say it is the most diverse list of names and things I think I've ever written. All right. So Very exciting. Well, should we get into some tapes and we'll hold the suspense? Hold the suspense. Until the end of the episode. I love it. So uh, on Two for None, we have a whole bunch of uh, correspondents scattered all over the globe who report into us with their thoughts and feelings and uh, and reports on the game from their unique and wonderful perspectives. So we like to not listen to these tapes until we play them live. We're going to play them for you now. And as we react to them, you'll react to them as well. And that bearing in mind, Chris, uh, where would you like to start, my friend? We have tapes from Alex Spinks, our Aussie correspondent, Adam Hassan, our Pakistan correspondent, TK Hawkey from the UK, and the one and only Jai Singh from India. Look, I think for me, Pat, we haven't heard from Adam Hassan from Pakistan in a while. He was undoubtedly the star of last season. Oh, yeah. You know, who, who could forget? Um, I, think, I think we could all use a bit of wit and wisdom from, from Adam. Can I tell you something else, Chris? So you don't know this, but our last episode, the last episode of last season, episode 74, mm. went absolutely bananas. Bananas? It was, bananas. It, it quadrupled the downloads of nearly any other episode. Wow. And I can't think of any other reason why, except for the work of this man, uh, Adam Sun. He's one hot chip, Pat. <laughs> He's one hot chip. The seagulls go crazy. 
The flock loves him. The folks. flock loves him. The flock <laughs> loves him. And well, they should. He's a star. All right, here he is. Adam Hassan from Pakistan. The last few months have essentially seen Pakistan repeatedly playing against England. We started with a seven-match T20 series in Pakistan, which was the first time England were back playing cricket in Pakistan since 2005. Then the two teams played a warm-up game in Australia ahead of the World Cup. And then, of course, we met in the World Cup final. And now England's back in Pakistan, this time for a test series. And unfortunately for Pakistan, the last few months have seen repeated near misses against England. We lost the T20 series 4-3. I think we lost the warm-up game as well, but to be honest, no one really cares about warm-up matches anyway, so that's fine. <laughs> but then we lost the World Cup final, and now we've lost the first test as well. Holding there, it's been a pretty wild time for Pakistan and England, hasn't mm. it? England particularly, I'm interested to hear from TK later mm. in the show, but Basball, mm. Bardo. Basball. Basball, it's real. Um, it's alive. Um, also, how's a flat deck? There's so many flat yeah. decks in Pakistan. You know, um, when we think back to the Australians going to Pakistan, we just thought it would swing and hoop everywhere and there'd be dust and, yeah. and it'd be impossible batting conditions. But since we've seen Test Cricket return to Pakistan, flat decks, flat decks. are plenty. And you know who I blame for that? Who? Uh, the Pakistani batting coach, Matthew Hayden. <laughs> All right. Why are you blaming Haydos for that? Colloquially known as a flat track bully. Oh. Um, so, I, you know, please don't hit me. He's, he's so much larger than I am. Um, uh, you know, but I think he's had something to do with, with, with get, getting flat decks. Wow. Well, you heard it here first, folks. The conspiracy begins. Haydos behind the flat decks in Pakistan. Back to you, Adam. But just getting to the World Cup final in itself was an impressive achievement. We started against India in what a lot of people are calling the greatest T20 match of all time. This game is an absolute roller coaster. I mean, let me just run you through the last three balls. Pakistan had played so well, and it came down to India needing 13 of 3. Mohamed Nawaz bowling to Virat Kohli. Nawaz bowls a full toss that Kohli hits for 6, and it's given as a waist-high no ball. Now to be honest, I don't really remember whether it actually was above waist-high or not, but as a Pakistan fan, I feel duty-bound to say that it should not have been given a no ball, and that the umpires made the wrong call. So now it's a free hit, with India needing 6 of 3. Nawaz bowls a wide, making it 5 of 3, and still a free hit. Nawaz then bowls Kohli off the free hit, but of course he's not out, and the ball ricochets off the stumps toward the third man boundary, and the batsmen run three. I mean, that was just horribly unlucky, and India have gone from needing 13 of three to now needing just two of two. And as a Pakistan fan, you think hope is lost, and then Dinesh Kartik gets stumped. So two of one, and Ashwin walks out. Hope is restored. And then Nawaz bowls another wide. So it's one of one, and Ashwin hits the last ball over the middle for four. I mean, that was just the last three balls. The whole game was wild, and the atmosphere was unlike anything the MCG had ever seen before. Chris, isn't that mental? Isn't yeah. that just mental? I mean, um, it just shows the way in which cricket, the emotions can swing on from one ball to another. Hope is lost. Hope is found. And poof, it goes again. It goes again. Crazy. And we, we said last week, I think, that, that both of us were just enamoured by this game. Well, we might not have been enamoured by the rest of the tournament. But we're definitely enamoured by this. And that description from Adam, oh my gosh. I don't know how to process it. Let's go back to the man. In our next match, we lost to Zimbabwe by one run. <laughs> the main story to come out of this game was Pac Bean. So, six years ago, a Pakistani man travelled to Zimbabwe pretending to be Mr Bean. There was a local agricultural show in Zimbabwe where they thought they were getting Rowan Atkinson and instead they got Pakistani Bean. <laughs> Zimbabwe were outraged and six years later, in the World Cup, they took their revenge. I've never heard the story of Pakistani bean, but I'm just intrigued. There's a lot of questions. I need to know more. 
I hope there's a follow-up. <laughs> I really hope there's a follow-up. I also hope there's a photo. I will post a photo <laughs> of Pakistani bean in the Zimbabwe agricultural show. What a get for the agricultural show. Quickly, yeah. if you're producing the agricultural show, you think you've nailed that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> Rowan Atkinson's coming, everyone. Get pumped. Even the president of Zimbabwe weighed in after the game and tweeted, next time, send the real Mr. Bean. <laughs> <laughs> now, to be honest, after losing our first two games, I kind of tuned out of the World Cup a bit from a Pakistan perspective, because I just assumed we wouldn't make it to the semis. So I heard that we beat South Africa impressively and won against the Netherlands as well. But I didn't pay those results too much attention. And then one day, I woke up to one of the kindest gestures I have ever witnessed. And I just want to say, from the bottom of my heart, thank you, South Africa, for that beautiful joke of yours. You know, it's not easy to keep being yourself in a world that's constantly demanding change. But South Africa refused to change. They stayed true to themselves, and they choked just like they always have done. That's great stuff. It's, it's quite a burn. <laughs> it's, it's a significant burn. I know that Chris Goodrick is in the uh, south of uh, Southeast Asia at the moment. I could probably use some iced water from all of those burns. <laughs> I wonder if we could get him an ice pack, Chris, if we could put one in the post. <laughs> Just there's something about, you know, um, Winston Churchill, you know, said the art of diplomacy is, I forget, I don't even paraphrase here, but the, the art of diplomacy is to get people to do what they don't want to do and like it or something to that yes, effect. Yes. And I think that Adam Hassan has just absolutely ripped shreds of South African air. But they will like him a lot better for it. Yeah, they will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I admire so much about them. And thank you to the mighty Dutch as well for such a wonderful performance. Mm. Pakistan beat Bangladesh later that day, then cruised past New Zealand in the semis. And all of a sudden, we were into the World Cup final. We batted poorly in the final, but our bowlers kept us in the game until the crucial moment when Shaheen Shah Afridi walked off the field, having re-aggravated his knee injury taking a catch. Mm -hmm. At that stage, England needed 41 from 29 balls, and Shaheen still had 11 balls to bowl. Iftikhar came on to finish Shaheen's over, and his five balls of part-time spin went for 13. In that moment, we went from very much in the contest to completely out of the game, which was a real shame given how hard we'd fought to get ourselves into a pretty decent position with five overs to go. But look, I've delved into the World Cup record books and pulled out a couple of interesting stats. So firstly, in the last three T20 World Cups, every semi-final and final has been won by the team chasing. Oh! So really, as soon as we lost the toss in that final, we were fighting an uphill battle. And my second stat is that there have been eight T20 World Cups, and Pakistan have made it to the semi-finals in six of them, which is more than any other team. And as I mentioned, once you reach the semi-final stage, it can be a bit of a lottery. So really, I think Pakistan are the true champions of T20 cricket over the last 15 years. Now I'll hold my thoughts on our ongoing test series against England until the next episode, but all I'm going to say is, I know this is an inexperienced Pakistan side, and on paper it doesn't look too strong, but I'm backing us to come back in this series and take it 2-1. Uh, I reckon we can take Basball down. See you in a fortnight. Thank you, Adam. Wow, Chris, big fighting words there. Big fighting words, big fighting words. What do you think about taking down Basball? It's not looking good. <laughs> Oh boy! But yeah. uh, but I like the optimism. Hey, we love the optimism. Love we love, love where his head's at. We may be uh, eating some humble pie, Pat. You and I, Chris. Mm. That seems unlikely. We're we're so regularly right on the money. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone would think we'd hosted a cricket podcast? Um, Adam, I love all of that from you. Um, I'm right there with you, big fella. Um, great to have you back. Great to have your thoughts back, and I love that sledging. 
print that, cut that, print that, save that. Thank you. Very good. Um, but oh, uh, let's let's move along, shall we? Would you like to hear from Jai, our Indian correspondent, Alex Spinks from Australia, or TK Hawkey from England? Well, you know, we have had have just had the the Pakistani report, and, mm. and as Adam quite rightly pointed out. Um, England is in Pakistan True. now, so it might be lovely, delightful. Hopefully, he's come down from his high horse, although I doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt yeah. it. We can find out. It's a very tall, handsome <laughs> horse. He's a very tall, handsome man, Tom Hawkey. Yeah. Um, let's fire him up, folks. This is Tom Hawkey from England. Run, run, run. Hi there, Tom K. Hawkey here with another bulletin from a Brit. Only two tests have featured more runs than the recent one between England and Pakistan, and both of those were timeless tests. 1,768 runs were scored on an absolute travesty of a pitch. If you think this was a dull draw though, you couldn't be more wrong. This thrilling England win provides the perfect backdrop to discuss the new England approach that has become known as baseball. Oh great. If you've been hiding under a rock for the last six months, you won't have a clue what I mean by that. Uh, also, you might want to do some Googling on Queen Elizabeth and Elon Musk to catch up. <laughs> Basball is the new positive and aggressive philosophy that coach Brendan Baz McCollum and Captain Ben Stokes have cooked up. These two men are numbers one and two in the list of all-time six hitters in tests. Oh. McCollum with 107, Stokes 105. And their shared vision of how test cricket can be more exciting and inventive is making huge waves. So, let's analyse that test in Ralpindi through the lens of baseball. Well, Tom does that. Interesting stat there, Chris. Did you know that? Huge stat. Didn't have a clue that that was the case. Not surprised. Um, mm. Well, probably not, not surprised by Brendan McCullum. Probably surprised that uh, Ben Stokes has achieved that, uh, that ranking. Yeah. So, uh, well, with so, so much cricket left to play in his career. Yeah. Um, and slightly mournful because I'm pretty sure Adam Gilchrist held that. Yeah, I think Gilly did have it for a while. Huh? for a while. So, um, hurry up. Someone hit some sixes. Uh, given his innings at Headingley, which we, you and I both remember with trepidation, fear and disappointment, uh, it does It does make sense. Yeah. You know, he can bomb them, Stokes. Yeah. Sure. Um, can I get your perception of baseball before we hear from TK? Well... You know, I think I've made this argument before that the English cricket team is a lot better when they're not coached by an Englishman. Mm. Uh, so um, I think um, uh, McCullum is clearly very attacking, um, proactive captain, very attacking, proactive batsman, um, you know, played cricket in the right spirit, very, you know, fun, enjoyable, but respectful for, of the game. Um, and I think that that's just filtered down, um, you know, to, to the rest of his team. If you think about the way that Ben Stokes, you know, goes about his cricket, yeah. you know, again, it's very uh, proactive, aggressive, um, uh, laconic um, in the sense that he's having a bit of bit fun. Bit of fun, bit yeah. of fun. Um, So it seems to reflect the style of those two guys. Yeah, I think it's an exciting way to play the game. I think there's a lot of risk in it. Though, like attack it, like not even, not even Australia attacks at all costs. Um, but I guess some of our best teams kind of did, and that's an interesting factor to consider. You know, to go out there with the intent to just rip the game away and destroy the opposition has been successful in the past. Well, you know, and I think we saw England be slightly more d- defensive under Joe mm. Root, and it didn't work. You yeah. know, they were really exposed uh, in the Ashes tour last year. 
So you really have nothing to lose. You know, I mean, they adopted a slightly more defensive approach under Joe Root uh, as captain, you know, particularly in Australia. Didn't work. Mm. If you're going to go down anyway, you might as well go down swinging. Uh, and high risk, high reward. True, Chris. True. Let's hear from Tika. The first rule of basball is attack from the very first ball. And Zach Crawley did exactly that, equaling Chris Gale's record of 14 runs from the first over. He went on to become one of four Englishmen to make a century and the team broke the record for the number of runs on the first day of a test by making 504. There are an insane raft of other batting records that fell, but me listing them would be pretty boring. <laughs> but please, do yourself a favour and look up the Day 1 Highlights Package. The second rule of baseball is focus on taking wickets, but don't worry about leaking runs. Wickets proved hard to come by on this docile road of a pitch but Stokes continued to back his bowlers with aggressive fields throughout Pakistan's first innings of 579. With Pakistan batting at roughly half the pace of England, the game looked to be drifting towards a placid draw. Which brings us to the third rule of baseball. Draws are boring. Go for the win. England came out for their second innings and continued where they left off, with more thrilling and aggressive batting. No centuries in this innings, but for the second time in the match, Harry Brook looked to be threatening England's record fastest century. He made 87 of 64 balls before being bowled on the stroke of T. With England's lead at 3-4-3 and with four sessions left in the match, Stokes made a bold declaration and dangled the carrot for Pakistan. Across both innings, England scored 891 runs at a rate of 6.73, the fastest rate of any team batting twice in a test. What are you talking about? Six runs and over? What? That's crazy. Yeah, it's uh, it's fairly rapid. <laughs> it's a bit quick, Bardo. It's very It's a quick. bit quick. That yeah. is mental. 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 But it goes to show, we look at the different gears that are now available to test match cricketers. You know, we've mm. seen, as you say, just an insane run rate in a, in a fourth innings for yeah. well, in the second innings for for England and Pakistan there, but we've also seen Rustin, not Rustin Chase, Craig Brathwaite yeah. in in his century stand here uh, in Australia adopt a far more def, you know well defensive style, watchful yeah. style, and score at, at uh, the fairly traditional and pedestrian strike rate of sixty <laughs> in order to give his side some respectability. So mm. I think we've got a, a breadth now that we haven't had in Test cricket before. The fourth rule of baseball is play the game the way you want to play it with no repercussions if it doesn't work out. Want proof? Take Joe Root, erstwhile compiler of mammoth runs in a classic and orthodox manner. In the second innings, he decided to bat left-handed to negate Mahmood coming over the wicket. And the experiment lasted all of two balls, with Root's second attempted sweep very nearly carrying to mid-wicket. However, it's clear that players have the freedom to be inventive and they are thriving as a result. The fifth rule of baseball is to entertain, and my God, did England do that. They won the game with some heroic pace bowling on day five, with four wickets apiece for Robinson and Anderson, who at 40 is defying all expectations on longevity for a pace bowler. The win was only possible thanks to the insane team batting and Stokes' exceptional captaincy. This was just the third time England have managed to win a test in Pakistan, and it must surely go down as one of the greatest overseas test victories of all time. Before baseball, 
England were in dire straits. They had won just one test in 17. Wow. Under Stokes and McCollum, they've won seven out of eight. The basketball magic won't win every single game. But with every successful match they have, teams around the world will surely have to start considering changing the way they play test cricket too. I'll be back next time to wrap this series up. But for now, Tom K. Hawkey out. Thank you, TK. A, a honour and a pleasure, my friend. Um, I don't, I, I'm going to be honest with you here, mate, because I think it's important for me to be honest on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, that honestly makes me a little nervous about Ashes this year. You me bench post, Pardo. A little nervous. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me give you a subplot. Oh, subplot. What? Subplot alert. This, is the, this isn't the Ashes, Pat. We think we think it's the ashes, but really, that's a smokescreen uh-huh. for the bigger battle at play. Yes. So obviously, Brandon McCullen, New Zealand great. Yes. From New Zealand. <laughs> sure. Yes. <laughs> correct. Coach of England. Indeed. On also one correct. side, mm-hmm. in the left corner. In the book corner, weighing in at some amount of kilos. Yep. In the right corner, uh-huh. we have Australian bowling coach. Oh. Also former New Zealand captain oh. and New Zealand great. Daniel Vittori. Interesting. So really, we're not so much getting ready for an Ashes as we are getting ready for a New Zealand civil war. (laughs) Can't you see the... That's just the plot line for season three of The Test brought to you by Amazon Prime. Prime, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that um, Danny Vittori is more Bucky Rogers or or more... um, or more Iron Man in this situation. If we're making oh, the Marvel well. comparison, oh, I, th- I think I think for me for sure, yeah, Brendan McCullum is Iron Man. Yeah, yeah, that's my sense. And Daniel Vittori is Captain New Zealand. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, coming back to your original point, I was trying to do a New Zealand impression there, and I failed really bad. What was my original point? Well, why would we... Do, you don't need to do a New Zealand impression when Thank we have you. Mark Wood. Oh, yeah, good point. Come back, Woody. Um, <laughs> the stick, come back. Uh, but back to your original point, I do think it's going to be, as always, an mm. intriguing Ashes tour of England. Who knows? Who knows what Australia looks like? Because yeah. we seem to trip up over our own shoelaces off-field more often than uh, anyone, any other team in, in yeah. Australian history. But it's going to be really, really interesting. I think... You know, our batting lineup looks nice and settled. The Australian yeah. batting lineup looks nice and settled. We've got so many bowlers. Got guys making runs. We've got lots of fast bowlers. Tons. You know, Nathan Lyons bowling absolute seeds. Oh, isn't he? So we're about as strong as and as settled as I think as we've been for a long time. I even think we're starting to see some depth in the batting stocks, which yeah. is super exciting. Um, you might make an argument that, you know, we're a little bit shallow in the second spinner department, but you know we've got uh, Swepson and of course Todd Murphy's emerged out hey, of nowhere. The Murph. So it's going to be a it is going to be a, a ding dong battle. And uh, <laughs> is that a technical term, Chris? The y- ding dong battle. I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Speaking of technical terms, would you like to hear from Jai Singh from India or Alex Spinks, our Aussie correspondent? Oh, I think Jai, I think I think we need a bit of uh, a bit of groundedness that Jai brings. Mm. Okay, I love it. I love it. We haven't heard from Jai in a while. Um, let's see what the man has to say. It feels like Indian limited overs cricket is stuck in a time machine that can't get past 1991. While other teams are pushing the limit on what is possible in the first power play, India is struggling to get beyond four or five runs per over. 
Somehow the BCCI still has no idea how to make India into the limited overs colossus, a country with such a deep talent pool demands to be. Maybe it's because there's such competition for places. The players are scared to lose and therefore play within themselves. And the trouble is, in a limited overs game, this means you do lose. What's interesting about that, Chris, is it's sort of the opposite of baseball, isn't it? Well, first and foremost, Pat, what's interesting is I just advocated for Jai's groundedness and he just put me in a f***ing time machine. <laughs> but yes, you are right. That's right. You know, the the um, Indian team does, as Jai points out, they, they his analysis is they do look a little bit sheepish and a little bit reactive and that's resulting in some losing cricket. So who knows? Mm. And I would I would say just to challenge Jai quickly there, Chris, that India have had an incredible record in one day in short form cricket. You know, they were really good for a really long time. So I, I think that probably there is an element of trepidation in the squad now. And Virat doesn't seem himself, does he? Well, listen, Pat, if you want to challenge a time lord, that's your business. <laughs> <laughs> but that hasn't worked out too well for the Daleks. They haven't won a test match in years. I can hardly even hold a bat. <laughs> now, if you want a team yeah. that plays boring, repetitive cricket, yes. that's who you get. Oh, yeah. This T20 World Cup started with a conscious attempt to step away from the problems that plagued the previous campaign, but ended with a similar result. The captain talked about changing their approach, and they genuinely did attack more in the power play. But it was awkward, like watching an elephant riding a bicycle. They pedalled along just adequately enough to start with, reaching the semis thanks to the last four victories, before falling in a spectacular heap, the 10-wicket annihilation by England. Last time they got knocked out in the first round by playing conservative, timid cricket. Here they tried to play differently and made the semis, where the high stakes meant they reverted to timid conservatism again and lost heavily. There is a systemic problem that requires a bigger solution than simply asking their test players to swing the bat at more deliveries than usual. Why, for instance, isn't India producing dynamic top-order players? Why won't they play the ones they do in order to develop? Again, I'm just going to challenge that, Chris. India produces a ton of dynamic top-order players. They're just mm. not playing mm. well at, at this tournament, at least. You know, you think about the Indian opening batsmen of the last decade and even the, the number threes and, and, dare I say it, number fours, mm. let alone the late-order hitting. I mean, it wasn't even like a season or two ago that they beat us in Australia with their test team with one-day tactics mm. and one-day players who... Came in and bloody shellocked us all around. So I don't know. This is I don't know about this from Jai. Yeah, look, maybe it's it's all psychological. Mm. You know, maybe they need to read the seven highly effective of the seven highly effective habits of baseball. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. Yes, I think you're right. But they just need to believe in themselves, but they just need to believe. They just get out and no. believe in themselves. Just a bit of Tony Roberts, <laughs> Robbins, Robbins, Tony Roberts, not Tony Roberts. Don't listen to Tony Roberts. That guy has no idea. Don't read his book, Tony Robbins. You know, they just need to awaken the giant within. Wow. TM, TM, TM. You know, and get a New Zealander on their coaching staff. Get a Kiwi in. It seems to help. Why can none of their batters bowl even a few balls at international level? Why can't any of their bowlers handle the bat? And we don't mean Bhuvaneshwar Kumar, who can average around 15 at a run of ball, but players like Sam Curran, who can actually change games with their second school. So who is in the best team? How will India win the next World Cup?
Kale Rahul continues to show his skills as an excellent finisher in ODIs. So all in all, it's a real shame that he insists his best position in T20 is as a defensive opening batsman. Right now, he is polarising cricket like few international players since Sean Marsh. As an opener, he's irresistible when he's good. I don't think that's true anymore, uh, given the last sort of 72 hours, Jai, but I love where your heads are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> there's, there's one Australian batsman who's polarising a few people at the moment. Yeah, I think that might be a challenge there too. But that's only very occasionally, and mostly against minnows in meaningless matches. But don't worry, when Twitter is screaming for him to be dropped at last, up he'll pop with an inconsequential 50 to reset the timer. At least Sean Marsh would make 100 after his 10 single-digit scores in a row. Uh, Pardo, resident Sean Marsh uh, fan, uh, how do you feel about that comment? Look, I think Sean Marsh's legacy as one of the great batsmen of Test Match Cricket is well truly assured that I don't need to respond to such tawdry remarks. Yeah. From Jai. From Jai. <laughs> Bloody time lord. But it means there is complete chaos when it comes to selecting India's middle order. Surya Kumar Yadav has been a breakout star in the past year, but he's 32, so where has he been all this time? And slots in four. While Hardik Pandya is fit again and perfectly suited to number five, or six at the lowest. With an all-rounder below him at seven, India would have six genuine bowling options, but their only all-rounders are the spinners, Jadeja, Akshar, or Washington Sundar, leaving aside Deepahuda, who's more of a part-timer. Of these, Jadeja is often injured, and Akshar is short of quality with the bat, as well as being vulnerable with the ball against teams who realise how predictable he is. Sundar is probably India's best number seven, but they would have to pick him more for his batting than his bowling, so he seems to be third in backing order. Deepak Chahar, when fit, should be Bhuvi's replacement and can handle the bat just well enough at number eight. <clears throat> Though the fact that he pads up at number 10 or 11 for Chennai Super Kings shows how weak India's tail-end batting is. Pick a couple of seamers to accompany Bumrah and then toss a coin to see which of Kuldeep and Jahal you play as the wrist spinner. This has been India's selection approach for three years now, and it still does enough to keep them at the top table, but there's the sense they're being left behind. Much has been made of India's ability to field second-string teams that can go toe-to-toe with other teams. The problem is that the first-choice team doesn't do much better, suggesting that all Indian teams are roughly equal. Better than second-string, not good enough to be a powerhouse. Case in point, after the second team performed quite creditably against New Zealand in a rain-hit series, back came Rohit and Kohli for the ODI series against Bangladesh, where India was dismissed for a paltry 186, and then let Bangladesh stroke home thanks to a last wicket partnership of over 50 in an error-strewn death-overs bowling performance. I know I come across as one of those fans who delights in criticising their team. No, no, Jai, no. You, Jai, no, 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 (laughs) bud. No, we'd never. Chris, do you think that... Uh, look, uh, the Time Lord <laughs> is magnanimous in his deliberations, always. He has such resources, financial and talent. It is astonishing that they're not able to keep up with, let alone dominate, the other top teams in the formats that have been their breadwinners for the past 15 years. When shock losses are sadly predictable, who's going to stand up and say it's time to do more than just move the deck chairs again? Wow. Wow, damning stuff from mm, Jai. A savage indictment from Jai. Indeed. That's about as savage as Jai gets. Although uh, it was, I mean, mate, it's great to hear from him. We've missed you in our lives. Of course, your analysis is truly second to none. 
but I don't think India are as bad as you think they are. I think I think you're in, in your noodle. I think they need a bit of confidence. I think they need a bit of Tony Robbins, Terry Robbins. I think they need a Robbins, a Baskin Robbins. Maybe they just need ice cream. Oh, yeah, well, maybe. 31 flavors. <laughs> There's got to be one in there, though. There's got to be one in there, right? <laughs> um, pal, this leaves us with one more tape, which is from Beautiful. Alex Spinks, our Aussie correspondent. I'm sure he's got a hot, hot jam to kick things off with uh, that is possibly themed in some way. We'll find out. Here he is. Hello, everyone, and welcome to A List by A Spinks. <laughs> Assuming the need to talk about a rather pedestrian test filled with centuries of plenty and 199, a topic for another time, I would instead like to submit my own entry into Bardo's Australian Prime Minister's Eleven of Australian Ooh, wow. Ministers. For our openers, I believe a strong left-right combination will win this team a lot of games in the first or second innings of many a test match. Our left-handed opener will be one Ben Chifley, the light on the hill and a lightning rod for the team's attitude and approach to a test match. (laughs) I love this from Spinks. (laughs) Starting with Chifley, we're going back. To a test match. And partnering him is the man who defeated him in the 1949 election, Bob Menzies, a true occupier of the crease who served as PM for 18 years non-consecutively and the godfather of the Liberal Party. This opening pair is sure to frustrate many a UK PM 11's bowling lineup, as the UK's presumable new ball bowlers of Boris Johnson and Pitt the Younger throw half trackers <laughs> on the pitch and it flogged all across the ground. You've got to expect that Pitt the Younger would struggle, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, Boris, you could see, being a bustly sort of medium pacer. But Pitt the Younger, I mean, that was a bad time back then. You know, it can be tough to put the weight on. Well, they're certainly not throwing the ball to Liz Truss, are they? <laughs> Yeah, wow. Unless you want a short stay at the case. Yeah, sure. Quick spell. <laughs> Quick spell. It doesn't get much quicker. First drop is someone you need when an opener falls. And as he did when Menzies' World War II policies, quote, failed to defend Australia, John Curtin comes in at number three to defend away any nasty swinging and seeming deliveries. For number four, the place of the greatest run accruement in the modern game, thanks to three of the four Fab Four in Steve Smith, Virat Kohli and Joe Root, we need a Prime Minister who can change the game coming in at two for none or late at two for 200. Little Easter egg there. <laughs> I like it. That's one for the true fans. For the true seagulls of the flock. And more than the first man in charge, the representative from my ancestral electorate of the Hunter, a man who, as a member of the Sydney University Cricket Club, once umpired a first-class match at the SCG between New South Wales and an English touring side led by Lord Harris. How very English. We have Edmund Barton at number four. Wow. There you go. I didn't know that about our first Prime Minister. Wow. Mm. I wonder. Anyway, fantastic, Spinks. I'm loving this. At number five. I want a thrasher. Someone who can come in and throw their bat around for many a run in a short space of time, and someone who is often criticised for not staying at the crease long enough. Why not include the man most oft described as Australia's worst ever Prime Minister, and let's give William McMahon a bat at number five. Billy! Big Billy McMahon, Chris! Billy McMahon. Of course, probably most famously remembered for siring Julian McMahon of Charmed and... Fantastic Four. Wow. I I got there. I got there. Wow. Really? True. 
Wow. I mean, I could be wrong. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to believe it. I think it's right. Number six, our all-rounder position. Who can we think of that can do it all? Someone who can throw the barbs in quick and also smash your replies all over the fence for six. He can champion the labor movement, but he can also float the dollar and invent the GST and then win an election by saying the opposition that wants to bring the GST in is just after your money. It's the big man himself, Paul Keating. Oh, yeah. And keeping with the popular pairing from the other list, let's couple the all-rounder with his best frenemy with the keeper's gloves and place Bob Hawke behind the stumps to chirp away at any and all who will listen. Thoughts on um, Hawkey behind the stumps, Butter? Oh, look, I don't, I don't hate it. There's many fine... Uh, Australian quotes that have gone down in folklore mm. that are attributed to Bob Hawke. Mm. I also like the idea of him standing behind the stumps accusing batsmen of being bums. <laughs> and now to our bowlers. Every team needs a good spinner. Not all the successful ones have a million variations, a la Nathan Lyon and Anil Kumble, but it's always much more fun to include someone who does. Someone who can constantly throw you a wrong'un. They can send a flipper skidding straight into your stumps, or they can pitch everything way wide of the mark and then rip it straight behind your legs, and then the next thing you know, they're in Hawaii while you feel like you're on fire, or they've managed to take the position of captain, coach, and umpire, but they haven't let anyone know. It's the king of spin himself, Scotty from marketing, Scott Morrison. Yeah, look, I've got to say, Chris, after we did our list the other week, I I immediately regretted not putting the king of spin, Scott Morrison, as our spinner. I mean, that's an oversight. Spinksy's got that. Yes, no, good selection there from Spinksy. Well thought through. Uh, hard to object. Yeah, I, I regret my previous choices. And please note, send all of your angry partisan emails, tweets, or Facebook comments to gingersnapsydney hey, at gmail.com. Hey, that's like, can we beat that? G-I-N-G-E-R. Come on. S-Y-S-Y-S-Y-S-Y-S-Y-S-Y-S-Y-S-Y-S-Y-S-Y-S-Y-S-Y-S-Y-S-Y-S-Y-S-Y-S-Y-S-Y-S-Y-S-Y-
I'm actually with Optus and I'm with AHM. Yeah. So my yeah. details got leaked sort of twice yes. in a week. Yeah, as a, yeah, I, I was a former customer of AHM. Um, I was like, I was kind of pissed off about that. We're not talking about cricket for a minute. Please. But I switched providers like ages ago. Same. Ages ago. And yeah. then I get an email out the blue from AHM. I was like, what am I getting the AHM emails for? And it was because um, I was on the list. Not happy. Boo, Chris. Anyway, Epic disappointed. Boo. Disappointing. They can win me back by sponsoring the pod. <laughs> yeah, send us some dollars. Um, pay for our music license. That'd be sick. Bardo, let's get to our collaboration 11s. Inspired mm. by the collaboration of the various governments and nations of the West Indies coming together, the various mm. nations of the Caribbean coming together, the collaboration that it takes to do that. We've got a collaboration 11, and I, I would like you to start. All right. Okay. Now- let me preface this by saying it's fairly loose. <laughs> <laughs> no. I <laughs> uh, look forward to one of our correspondents doing a better job in a week's time. <laughs> However, um, there's not a lot of rules that apply to this. But um, I've opening, I'm opening the batting. Now, yeah. we, we sort of, as you know, I like to have like one sort of uh, dour yeah. opening batsman and one positive opening batsman. Yeah. Now, our first combination pairing, I've gone with uh, Scorsese and De Niro. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. That, that collaboration's incredible. Yeah, great yeah. collaboration. Yeah. That's my dour opening batsman. Now, okay. I'll tell you why. Yeah, Because please. I've never seen Taxi Driver or Raging Bull. Oh. But they're on some of the streaming services. Yeah. And I like to kind of, you know, watch a classic movie every now and again, just so I can be like, yep, that's a great movie. I've seen it. I can, you know, I can participate in the conversation about oh, it. absolutely. Right? And I made the mistake mm. um, of watching Taxi Driver and Raging Bull in consecutive oh, evenings. Chris. I really should have had a, like a, a positive- You should um, have spoken to an adult. You needed an adult, You needed an adult. I should have had some sort of, um, I was going to say positive, positive pastrami. Wow. Alliteration. Very good. Some positive pastrami in the middle of that uh, sad sandwich. Now, um, very dark, very dark. Very dark. Very dark movies. Kind of movies. So I've kind of tried to pair that with what I think is kind of the opposite scenario. And that is the refugee Olympic team. (laughs) Great combo, Chris. That's a great combo. The Scorsese De Niro collaboration and the Refugee Olympics. It's very good. I don't think you need to explain that. That makes total sense to me. Sure. It's diverse. It's interesting. They've it's got an Instagram variety. page. Fantastic. Follow along. We're all about the Refugee Olympic team. We should oh, all yeah. get behind them. Sensational. Um, 100%. Um, look out for them in Paris 2024. Uh, now, coming in at number three, mm. uh, a team that is famous for its three-peat. Pat, oh. in the early 2000s, uh, a team that has uh, set, I think, the, the pathway for modern Australian rules football. I've gone for the Brisbane Lions. <laughs> uh-huh. The 3P era, Brenda, yeah, yeah, Brisbane Lions. Brisbane yes, Lions, of course, a merger between... Oh. A merger between the Brisbane Bears yeah. and the Fitzroy Lions, who are both struggling for their own various reasons mm. uh, and then i think in about 1998 uh lethal lee matthews takes oh, charge yeah. and things turn around dramatically on a dime mm. um queensland wins its first afl premiership its second its third brisbane lions come in at number three mm. i love that chris i love that then i got a bit lazy coming in at number four <laughs> coming in number four uh i have the avengers <laughs> 
I mean, that's a great number. Uh, it's a great collaboration. Yeah, it's a great, it's collaboration. great collaboration. Yeah, look, cracks oh. in there occasionally. There's, there's challenges. They overcome them, don't they? <laughs> there's potholes. And- yeah, sure. But I think if you think about, you know, modern modern cinema, mm. you know, of course, my, my opening batsman doesn't like the Avengers, thinks it's not cinema. Of course. Um, but if you say that, yeah, I think it's a modern movie-going experience, isn't it? You know, really mm. um, uh, change the way that we look at building canon um, and, and change the way that we look at building a cinematic universe, the Avengers. So they've, they're coming in at number four for me. Um, and forming part of a... Uh, middle order. We then have Avengers Infinity War coming in at number five. <laughs> I think this is a lazy choice. I think you could have done better than this. Or could I do worse? <laughs> Please. Because coming in at number six, we have Avengers Endgame. <laughs> uh, and they're in there because that's a good uh, that's a good uh, combination of uh, of films. Sure. Yeah, it's a real trilogy. Trilogy. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. You're so welcome. Could have picked another one, but that's all right. Um... <laughs> Then behind the stumps, yeah, in number seven, in yeah. number seven, we have Band Aid, <laughs> of course, uh, led by ably led by Bob Geldof, <laughs> the Doff, and um, this um, came to my mind because I saw a clip of Live Aid the other day, um, and I think what was the song? Do they, it was Do They Know It's Christmas or Yes, 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 the one. Anyway, it, the camera pans to Bob Dylan. Mm. And Bob Dylan's there, but he's not really singing along. <laughs> yeah, no, he's not there for it. He's yeah. the, he's the guy um, who's sort of in a cor- in a choir who who hasn't learnt the words and is kind of gently grunting yes. while everyone else does the singing. Worth looking up. Anyway, so they're behind the stumps. Uh, number eight. Um, now this one I, I quite like a bit of a bit, a bit of nostalgia here, um, and we'll take a bit of explaining. But we have NBC crossover week. Okay, as our spinner. Right yeah. now, NBC crossover week. Um, you seem less than convinced by the well, I, I would like the <laughs> listeners to know that I'm looking at Chris with a very confused expression. <laughs> like I'm sure you're listen, looking out into the world as you listen to this podcast, also with a very confused expression. Chris, NBC crossover week. Okay, so in the in the early nineties, you were, I mean you're familiar you mean with Crossfire? No, crossover. Uh-huh. NBC crossover week. So. In the early to mid '90s, there was a thing called NBC Crossover Week, mm. where they had the famous shows from NBC at the time. So things like Seinfeld. Oh, I see. Mad About You. Yes, I think Friends was in there. Sure. Uh, anyway, so it was like a week, and then like you know, Kramer appeared on Mad About You. I get it. I get and then it. Helen, it. Helen Hunt and the supporting actress from Mad About You appeared yes. on uh, Friends, um, and so on and so forth. So forth. Anyway, they appeared on each other's shows. The spin, Chris. The spin. The spin. The I change see. of direction. Oh, hey, what the are they doing? The wrongers. The wrongers. It was also, yeah. for me, as like an eight-year-old, um, I thought it was great. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I guess. So, that. as I said, I was running a bit thin. Um, <laughs> but then I feel like I come back quite strong um, okay, with our first pace ball. And here I have the British and Irish Lions. Oh, great collaboration. Great collaboration. Yeah, great great. collaboration. Many, many, many great um, games over the years between Australia and the British and Irish Lions. Yeah. Uh, of course, they only tour Australia once every 12 years yes. and do some intervening tours every four years with uh, South Africa and New Zealand. Uh, and always enjoyable. And a lot of pride, of course, representing the British and Irish Lions. So yes. uh, I've, I've given them a, a shout out there. Yeah, I love that, Chris. Um, and then for our... Uh, 
our pace attack down the bottom, our tail enders. I've gone to the world of business. Oh, business, Chris. Business. Business. Um, for um, aggressive reasons. Uh, you know, because you need, yeah, when you need aggressive pace attack. Yes, so it's, sure. Um, at number 10, I've gone the Google Android merger. Yeah, I love that. Bardo, I think that's very good. The Google Android merger, indeed. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, at number 11, um, I was actually going to go for another one. Um, the Vodafone uh, merger that occurred back in 1999. Oh. But I can't read who they merged with because I can't read my handwriting. So they're out. <laughs> they're dropped. We haven't even been a 12th man. And I'm going, <laughs> I'm going for Disney. Oh, right. I'm going for Disney because Disney, as we know, mm. uh, Disney Plus more specifically, because yeah. Disney Plus, look, I don't think when anyone thought Disney Plus was coming out, that that would be a sustainable, reasonable yes. streaming service that people would want to watch. No. However. It is. You've got to say Bob Iger over a period of time has done a pretty, pretty good job <laughs> of acquiring some intellectual pro- has uh, property, namely things like Pixar. Indeed. Love Pixar, yeah. uh, Star Wars, Marvel, yeah. uh, bunch of shows from uh, ABC mm. in the US, uh, and uh, some original content. So, got to say, not that uh, not that uh, we're limiting ourselves to just one streaming service here. Anyone who wants to sponsor the pod, Absolutely. we'll take yeah, it. Look, but we'll I think it. that that's a, that's a that's a strong twelfth man to come in as a concussion sub because I forgot the name of the company <laughs> that Vodafone merged with. Chris, what a sensational eleven! Uh, I felt very inadequate through that and I've been inspired by you and made some changes while you were talking uh, because you inspired by me, made me think differently about it and Thank I'm you. pleased with it. So here we go. So opening the batting for me, Chris, um, coming in, uh, opening the batting, I wanted somebody electric. Okay. I wanted somebody to be quick between the wickets and I wanted somebody who could collaborate. Right. So uh, Eric Clapton's work on the Beatles' White Album Ooh. is coming in uh, to open the batting. Uh, right. Graceful. Uh, Chris and and rapid, and uh, opening with him to provide a real counterpoint. I've uh, picked Death Row Records um, <laughs> from the nineties. Uh, so that's the Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre era of Death Row, uh, which obviously is powerful. Yep. Um, uh, you know, uh, and is going to be provide a real. It's going to be bombastic. I would go as far as to say controversial. Sure, sure. Even um, so, so I wonder if you could remix Gin and Juice with Tears in Heaven. Oh. I mean, just hearing that. Would that work? That sounds like it slaps to me. Okay. (laughs) To me. Um, uh, So in number three, um, coming in at number three, Chris, is a a super group from the late 60s, the Yardbirds, uh, which featured uh, Jimmy Page and Eric Clapton. And um, I think somebody, a, a whole bunch of people were in that band. And they weren't a particularly good band. But uh, they, they were a very iconic and wonder what a collaboration it was. In, coming at number four, inspired by you, by okay. CTB, is um, Pixar and Apple coming ah, together. Like that. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. I mean, I- extraordinary, right? Like revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming at number four is them. Coming in at number five, a real middle order stalwart. Um, somebody everyone thought couldn't do it, you know, a real mm-hmm. underdog is the Socceroos of 2022. Okay. Um, you know, going into that tournament, I slated them. Everybody slated them. We all yeah. thought they were going to suck. Yeah. And they pulled it together, Chris. Yeah. Well, and there's a, there's a, there was a heavy Scottish influence on the Socceroos heavy. this World Cup. You know, heavy. They were referred to by some as the Scozzies. 
Um, and the, the Scotteroos. And the Scotteroos. Yes, yes. So the Scotteroos, Chris, coming in at number five for me. In number six, Flume. In Flume. general. As an artist. Okay. Um, I think that uh, Flume does nothing but get other people in to help him out. He's Flume and. Flume and. Flume plus. Right. Um, particularly in that, that first and second album, I thought was sensational. I've got De Niro and Scorsese taking the gloves. Um, <laughs> Great. Because I just think there'd be a really dark energy behind the so stunts. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a black they, hole. They would really get into some batsmen. Um, their heads. So just on that, I just want to talk about it quick. Ooh. Just spin your mic around there. Oh. Just, yeah. just on that quickly, um, just want to talk about the end of Taxi Driver. Sure. So obviously things spiral <laughs> throughout the movie. Oh, yeah. It's a movie that spirals. Uh, but then... You, you know, you kind of hear the letter written from the parents of Jodie Foster. Mm. Uh, and he's, you know, after he's had the big shoot up in the apartment. Um, and then he is driving away, looking into the into the rearview mirror and looking away. And I was like, oh, okay. That's nice. That's a nice ending. I mean, sure, he's, it, you know, it's tough, but obviously he saved someone. And that snapped him back into sanity. Mm. He's 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 going right. But what I actually found out from reading some some internet uh, mm. summaries is that the theory is that he actually died. Wow. Yeah, and he's looking back. You know, this is him like in the in the final final moments of his life, kind of projecting what sh- what he thinks should have happened. Mm. You know, so. Um, very dark, anyway. Very dark energy behind wow. the stumps, but uh, yeah, very dark energy. Black hole, Chris. That is uh, run my brain for a loop. A <laughs> <Okay>. loop. <laughs> well, a loop. we've got a fast bowling order to get. To. Yeah, yeah. So look, the spinner coming in to spin. Uh, I thought uh, could really uh, do some great twists and turns. Lots of ups and downs, Chris. Lots of ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Lots of top spin. It's Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Are you ready for the weekend? Um, Coming in at number nine, Chris, is the uh, fast bowling lineup from the Windies in the 90s. Uh, uh, great collab. Yeah, great, great collab. collab. Great collab. You know, just in general. Yeah. Pacey, uh, you know, the whole thing. Number 10, Bardo, is Audio Slave. Ah, uh, oh, a bit of Chris Cornell. Chris Cornell and the Rage Against the Machine boys. It's fiery, mm-hmm. Bardo. Mm-hmm. It's intense, but it's very mm-hmm. passionate at the same time. Like a stone, baby. Like a stone, my friend. Yeah. Like yeah. a stone. And coming in at number 11, I want my last bowler to be very consistent. I want mm-hmm. them to be able to have a big engine, go mm-hmm. for a long time, and I want them to greatly inspire fear in their opposition. Right. So it's the collaboration between Nick Cave and Warren Ellis uh, from Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. And I could just imagine Nick with his mo, you know, staring true fear yeah. into the, the opposition. I could see him with a sort of Lily-esque shirt yes. un- unbuttoned, yes. long, his long black hair, just a death stare. Just death. Oh. Could you imagine yes. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds? Um, we've had Lily, you know, bold Lily caught Marsh. Mm. I think I'd like to see bold Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds caught De Niro Scorsese. <laughs> Yeah, look, my my eleven got real dark, huh? And it's not so much you're not so much playing cricket on a, a pitch at that point. It's more an abyss, <laughs> the ever sinking void is what you're <laughs> playing in it. 
Um, but I reckon we should wrap it up there, mate. And, and to our correspondents and to you um, listening along at home, please get in touch with us with your 11s of collaboration. We'd love to see it. Your collaborations, collaborations. Yeah, sure. Um, that would be <laughs> Chris is not sold. Uh, that would be sensational. But uh, before we sign off, any final thoughts from you, my friend? Uh, I think there might be a few overs left in the cricket, Pat. So let's get back to it. Let's do that. Thank you very much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Great to have you with us. And we'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Oh, and one more thing. Go, those Aussies! Go, go. Two Bananas created and presented by Patrick Cullen and Chris Barty. The show is produced by Ginger Snap Productions and edited by Mike Wilcox. He's off to Fiji this week. Enjoy, Mike. Correspondence this episode were Adam Hassan, Jai Singh, Alex Spinks, and Tom K. Hawkey. Clips and music in this episode was Run by One Republic, 2021 Interscope Records, and Vogue, Madonna, 1980, Warner Brothers. The Two for None theme is written and performed by me. All clips and music used in conjunction with our APRA ANCOS online mini license. Check out apra.com.au for more details. Our next episode will be out in two weeks, and in the meantime, like, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, get on the socials, get the word out. Two for None is back for summer. We'll see you in two weeks, legends. Oh, one more thing. Go those Aussies. Go those Aussies. Go those Aussies. <laughs>